Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Consensus Conversations 2023 by Coindesk. We're coming to you from the Brave podcast studio at Consensus 2023. Brave is the privacy browser used by almost 60 million people worldwide. It has everything you need to stay safe online. Check them out today at brave.com. Hey, everyone. I'm Cam. We are live at Consensus 2023. I'm at the Coindesk Podcast Recording Studio. And today, we have someone you probably know. You've seen her everywhere. YouTube, Hash TV. Her name is Wendy O. I asked her, Wendy, how do I introduce you? And she said, you know what? I'm a mom. And so I'm going to let Wendy come in and tell you all about her yourself. So thank you guys so much for having me. I love being a part of the Coindesk family. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. And I guess I've kind of changed my title from content creator to shock jock because I have such a big personality and big opinion about everything that's happening. I'm also, I get apparently according to stuff on the internet, I am the largest crypto and NFT YouTuber in the world. And I think as a female, Ooh, which is, congratulations. Which is Girl, awesome. Because yes. if you look at the, you look at the analytics there, you'll see channels similar to yours is all the boys. And I'm happy to represent for everybody, but more importantly, the underdogs, people who came from where I came from, because the way that the United States is set up in my mind, I feel like, yes, we do have some social issues, but I feel like a lot of these social issues are due to a wealth gap, not the differences between how we look and our cultures, because let's face it, if everybody's got it on the level playing field, it just makes life better, I feel like. I don't know. It not does. So, yeah. it's, we, and we see this, we've talked with Sheila Warren about this, about countries that have 90% parity between wealth and women and men. A country called Iceland has 90% parity between man and woman with healthcare, with economics, and women there have 12 months maternity leave. They're healthier, they're happier. Oh so we're, we know through statistics, we know that when women and men are in a more level playing field, especially wealth wise, and you hear my baby in the background. We love the babies. I'm like, <laughs> the babies. I'm like, pass me that baby. I have big mom energy there over you here. Go. No, but you're right. And like, one of the reasons why I left my corporate job working in healthcare was because I remember when I was on maternity leave, I had suffered from postpartum depression. I had a very hard child delivery and it was just, I got three months and like, they didn't even care that I had postpartum. I actually, they, I almost got fired because they're like, if you don't report to us in one day or show up at work, we're firing you. I'm like, dude, I have postpartum. I submitted my documents and I just feel, you know, it's just a little bit frustrating. Like I love men and I love women. I love everything in between, but it's like, there are some differences on this that we need to focus on. But again, like the 12 months maternity leave, that is amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot out there, especially with social media, as you know. 
Everyone's mm -hmm. concerned. We have inflation. Uh, they're concerned about the environment with cryptocurrency and the U.S. dollar. And even my father even came running over to me. He's 72 years old and he goes, Michelle, oh my God, do I need to be worried about my money? From your perspective, what do you think in this environment? So I am not, like again you guys, I don't have a crazy finance degree. Everything I know is self-taught because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in self-education. I think it's important because you can only learn so much in school, plus it's kind of a controlled environment. And I think that we do have a lot of problems with the US dollar. And even somebody without like a crazy education in traditional finance will tell you the same thing. Like the fact that if I go to my old community, the old city I used to live in, and people are struggling to pay their bills, they can't feed their families. There's been, there was an article that was put out that four out of 10 Americans have to cut back on grocery spending. The fact that, you know, we do have a lot of social programs to help people get food, which is absolutely amazing, but it's not fair to people from all different economic backgrounds that they have to cut back on groceries. Like obviously budgeting is important, but that statistic right there made me nervous. It's like we have inflation. We have, and I want to say that there was a bill passed by the House to increase the debt to 1.5 trillion. And it's like, when, when is it going to stop? Like, when is it when is it going to stop? Fiat currency is not a hard asset. Bitcoin is a hard asset. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say we should be worried, but I want to say that we should be concerned what's happening and, you know, question our public servants and question why this is happening. I mean, me personally, I'll put on my tinfoil tiara right here and say I really feel like it's to really kind of push things into this really, really dark place to where we're forced to have a CBDC because they're going to market it to us that that's the only way. And I know some people love CBDCs. I personally don't. Like, if I'm going to have to have a CBDC and be tracked, I want all the public servants to be tracked as well, just so I know what they're spending, what they're paying on their taxes, what stocks they're investing in, you know, how much they're spending for a government contract. You know, let's say they spend $5 million on a government contract when they could have only spent a million dollars. Like, we need to know these things. And That's I feel right. like as taxpayers, taxes are a scam and the Fed, but you got to pay your taxes, okay? Um, but I feel like we deserve to know where exactly where our money's going. And it doesn't even matter politically, like if you're blue or red or down the middle. We're all human beings and we all want, you know, we all want to be able to just put food on the table for our families. And, and Wendy, it's been so hard understanding and following everything that's going on with the SEC. We are seeing countries like London adopt very clear crypto regulations just mm -hmm. to delineate what is centralized finances, what is decentralized finances, what's taking the United States so long, what's going on here? Well, we have to remember it's election season. <laughs> <laughs> I love when she talks and she speaks right to it. He gets right down in there. I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. And really, let's face it, like blue, red, white, like I don't even care. Like I'm straight down the middle and the way I live my life is live free, harm none. And it just basically means like have decency for people, like, you know, follow the law, do things. And I just feel like there's such a division in America because of these silly little issues. And I feel like both sides actually agree on more than is being presented. It's just, we get caught up in the hype and mainstream media and this issue and that issue. And again, I know that they want a CBDC and I feel like, I feel like our government just, we vote people in office who aren't really equipped to to make these decisions, to make these decisions mm -hmm. or even have the experience <laughs> to do so. Like I personally think every single public servant should have to work at a low level customer service job making minimum wage for like Absolutely. six months oh, in their life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You should work in hospitality, dealing with people. You learn a lot from hospitality. Or healthcare. Or healthcare, exactly. I just, like, I want peace for everybody. I want everybody to thrive. But at the same time, it's like we do have to kind of voice our concern about what's happening, you know, especially with the U.S. dollar, like, especially with the public servants. Like, I'm not an ageist or anything, but honestly, 
the age to retire that you get your social security and the demographic I grew up around, that's your retirement is your social security. Correct. And it's changed. 67, age 67. So people are being kind of forced to retire at 67 and it's very hard to get a job after 67. Then why are we still allowing these people to run for office? I don't care what side of political spectrum you're on. If you are over 67, you should not be allowed to run. I agree with you. 110% agree with you. How many crypto winners have you been through? This is my second one, but this one is so different. The reason why is honestly because the NFT space, NFT and Web3, because they are just like so fully detached from what's going on in crypto. Yeah, I would agree. They're like on their own world. I'm I'm so happy over here. Everything's (laughs) happening in the NFT space. I'm like, I need to go join them. I I pop into chats because I'm in a bunch of just small community chats, like, you know, hanging out, whatever. And I'm like, you guys, did you not hear that this bank collapsed? Did you not hear this happen? They're like, oh, well, wag me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, wag me. wag me. I'm like, I get it. I love, I'm here for the energy, but let's be realistic here. Like the attack on crypto is not just cryptocurrency. They're literally coming for NFTs. They're coming for Bitcoin. They're just using different types of angles. And I think that we all need to kind of, I just wish the com- all the communities would unite and stop with the petty BS and just be like, let's try to get good regulation. After we get that good regulation, we can start fighting it. <laughs> I heard a speaker yesterday say, you know, regulation is the path to growth. Good regulation is the path to growth. And crypto and blockchain technology isn't a revolution, it's an evolution, okay? So hoping people recognize the benefits, the global use cases of blockchain technology and don't just see it as a scam or something scary. Well, this is the thing. They're here for the money. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. So if we can get in some sort of light regulation, like coordinate, like the key word here is compromise. Compromise with the public servants and at the end of the line say, hey, give us some guidelines so we can operate here, so we can bring people back to the U.S. and we can pay our taxes. Yes. (laughs) I'm telling you, my mom, she's from the Philippines. She has her education. She came over, got her documentation perfectly right how she's supposed to. And without education in the United States, even though she has a master's from the Philippines, she still was only able to make $6 an hour. And even today, her taxes, she makes, I don't know, 30,000 something a year, and her taxes are like a mortgage payment almost. Mm -hmm. It's it's horrendous, it's ridiculous, it doesn't make sense. And so she's been like kind of asking me, what's this Bitcoin stuff? Good for her. Ooh, mom. I was hearing the other day, like other countries, you don't have to push the value of crypto, especially for the underbanked or the unbanked. It's just already seen as a great asset because it allows for instantaneous transactions. And so across the, the globe, they see the value of crypto immediately. But in the United States, they have to push, 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 push for that value. I'll even say, and again, this is, oh, I won't even say the exchange name just so people don't take it out of context. But I've heard in other countries that a lot of people do not have access to banks because they, they live far and their roads aren't as developed as ours, which I totally understand that. And that's not a it's just it is what it is but it's like a lot of these people they can't physically get down to a bank or ATM but a lot of people in the world do have cell phones yes they have access to it so these people they in these different places all across the world they use their cell phone they use this particular crypto exchange kind of as a bank which again you guys I'm not saying any way shape or form to use a crypto exchange as a bank I'm just giving an example of what I've heard people are doing not financial advice but they're using this crypto exchange as a bank on their phone so that they can pay their bills and I think that we do have an opportunity to do really great stuff in the U.S. It's just they're being lazy. Like I sat down, I was able to interview um, a financial minister of Bermuda earlier with 
coined us the hash team. And he was just saying like how important regulation is so that we can actually build and do stuff. And really the United States of America dropped the ball and the crypto contagion wouldn't have been that bad if they would have just done what Japan did and says, hey, you run a crypto yeah. exchange, you got to segregate the assets. But I guess they wouldn't know what that means because we don't even force our banks to segregate customer assets either. We rely on a third party, the FDIC, to kind of come in and That's save right. people. <laughs> and no, the EU just, just approved the landmark Mika regulation. Exactly. I mean, we have everything happening and we want the guidelines. You know, you don't just get pulled over by an officer for speeding if there's no speed sign. You want to know how fast you're no, going that down actually, there, right? That actually <laughs> does happen and that's predatory behavior. And there are some, I love police officers, but there's always bad apples everywhere. Of course. But that type of stuff does happen and that's sometimes, I don't know under what category that resides under, but like those police officers get in trouble. And it's like, if those police officers are getting in trouble for falsely accusing people people are falsely giving tickets and whatnot, you know, they get in trouble. Why isn't the SEC getting in trouble? Why aren't the other public servants getting in trouble for their actions? Because really what happened, they've known about crypto for a long time. There's focus groups, there's NIST that has been studying Bitcoin as a CBDC for years and years and years. You know, they confiscated all that stuff from Silk Road. So it's like they knew this was happening, but why haven't they done anything? Like, I honestly don't think it's too hard to push, like Hester Peirce did a lot of the guy, like laid it down a lot of the framework, like, hey, let's do a safe harbor group and let's do this, let's do that. And the gentleman from Bermuda, he was just talking about, yeah, you know, we have this license. It's not the easiest to get. It's $1,000. You come and you get to work with the representative on how to be compliant. And again, we, we want that. Like, I feel like most companies in crypto, even the startups, they'll, you know, they can do a token sale, whatever that is. They can get some funding and then they can afford to work with the public servant member so that they can get exactly done what they need to get done and then thrive. Not only is that going to create jobs, but it's going to create tax revenue. It's also going to help the economy. It's going to push more people to come here. And let's face it, I know mainstream media says we're not in a recession. I think we are in a recession. It kind of feels like it. I mean, it definitely feels like it, especially with all the mass layoffs and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, and then also too, like the unemployment numbers, they stop reporting those after a certain amount of time that they've been unemployed. People get mad at me for saying this, but I don't think statistics is real math. It is when you're getting from point A to point B, but then when you get like the sample size you use and you're doing your little write-up, it's very easy to manipulate the data. And that's how we calculate CPI. That's how we calculate unemployment. So they, they don't take into account important things. And I think if you look at everybody who has not had gone back to work since the panorama and how many people have multiple jobs to pay the bills, like that story is going to be a lot different than what's presented to us. That's true. And with statistics, because I used to teach statistics. She's actually. like, she's like, I'm gonna come for you. I'm gonna come for you. <laughs> no, the margin of error is so large, especially when they don't take into account and responsibility and due diligence for their sample size, exactly. especially if it's not representative. So those, I'm always triple checking data and stats, and I'm like, mm, that's not enough people for me to generalize this to the, the yeah. population. And then also, too, I feel like they don't take into a lot of different, like, cultures into it, too. That's very hard to do, like, when you're incorporating your sample size. Exactly. Like, like, I worked in healthcare, so my job was doing patient care coordination. I managed two to 300 patients per month in HIV AIDS, and I made sure they got their care, they took their medicine, they did all this stuff. My client base was so diverse. Like, I had people from every single, like, ethnic background, different cultures, different wealth backgrounds. It was like... Probably religions. Religions, too. Like, mm -hmm. everything. Like, mm -hmm. I, and it was just, you know, that's a small sample size, but it's like, it would have been so hard to run data on them because it was so diverse. And then you think, like, you're talking to a client and then they say X, Y, and Z, but then you find out other stuff. Like, it's just so much information to put And I feel like we're getting lazy and we're just not, I feel like in America, we're just not really focused on, pe like, actually 
people anymore. And that's part of the problem we have, especially in the service industry and whatever. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Even in the hospital, too. Um, just recently, I found that when they determine if someone should have a C-section or not, it's based on race and women. So black and Latino women are more likely to have C-sections. C-sections are not as natural, and they lead to a lot of other birth complications. Yes. And so instead of looking at the person and how, how they are and their history, they look at the stats of what's been in the past. And that's so sad, especially like for women's health care. Like I like I'm covered in tattoos, so people kind of look at me sideways. Same with it. girl. I and love they look they're like, I don't know what she is. I don't know what she is. So like I had a horrible experience like when I gave birth and like I just also found out too that up until nineteen ninety three they did not test medication on women, primarily women. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the results, a lot of the outcomes that they had were based on men's bodies. Yes. Which okay, fine, but like our bodies are different. Like exactly. we do different things and that's like, it's okay to be different. It's okay to do whatever it is. But at the same time, when you're giving people healthcare, like trying to provide them care, it shouldn't be based on a sample size. It should be based on individual care. And that's where we're feeling. Like I could talk about healthcare industry all day because <laughs> I, I worked in too. it for seven years. But there's another hard example and this is detrimental. It is so key to test men and women when it comes to experimentation. I'm gonna give one example with the crash dummy. They only tested male-sized crash dummies of 250 pounds. Women were dying from airbags much at a faster rate than men because they were testing the crash dummies with the airbags with only male-sized crash dummies. So they didn't build the airbag or engineer them so that they were okay for women. And still today, women are at a higher fatality risk of airbag and, and injury um, from airbags than men. And this is for engineering because we didn't take into account women's bodies. That's so sad. Like, where is this 2023? Like, what's, hap what's happening? This has become a podcast of revolution. And <laughs> no, but I mean, it's important because we're, we're giving different, yeah. like, ideas about different things that are happening and kind of where the United States is heading. And it's kind of sad because, like, my family came, I think I'm second or third generation immigrant. We came, like, my people came here to escape persecution on the Jewish side and on the Italian side you know, to get a better quality of life. And they came here for that reason, like back in the 30s. And it's like all this crazy stuff that's happening now. It's like, I feel so sad for my ancestors. They risked their lives to come over here. And it's like, this is like, we're in this place where we're supposed to, you know, like a lot of people don't like that I use the word capitalism. But I'm like, when I talk, when I say capitalism, I'm not talking about corporate capitalism. I'm talking about lower level capitalism, the most respectful way possible, like small businesses and entrepreneurism. And I feel like most of us, like all three of us in here, we're entrepreneurs in a sense, you know? We have that mindset, and that's what's not good is because America was founded on people coming here and bringing their skills and their talents mm -hmm. and creating businesses and creating these, you know, creating a way to, you know, to escape all of this insanity that's happening. And it's just so weird that we've, like, completely reversed why our people came over here. It doesn't matter, like, where they came from or why they came here. Well, we all can agree our people came here to get a better quality of life. And, and they're just, still coming here to try and get a better exactly, quality of exactly. life. And they're being met with, like, resistance beyond belief. And they're looking for a better life. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be giving and understanding a country, but we can't even... We're treading jello as it is for ourselves, basically. I'm literally, like, telling people, I'm like, go back because we don't, we don't have guidelines for crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, it's they're it's, offshoring crypto as it is. And it's not even <laughs> Wendy that. It's like, gonna leave. No, I, I really am. Like again, like I, I'm really, really considering moving outside of the country, which I don't like because I'm born and raised in LA County. I've been here my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. I love my people from all the different cities, all the different communities. I rep for everybody, and like I actually go into communities and I do stuff with different organizations. I talk to them about Bitcoin. I talk like we always start with that, but it just makes me so sad because it's like we're not what we were and. 
I just wish, I want everybody to have a good quality of life. And I think feel like it's changed so quickly. Have you noticed that? Because we have the same historical background. Yeah. Like my family's Italian, Paisana. Jewish. Yeah, right? My little Paisan over here. And <laughs> we came over a little earlier, my family. Yeah. But the same thing. They were, they were struggling. They were, were persecuted. They came here to have a better life. Both my great-grandparents, my grandparents, they worked really, really hard to get where they were. Even my parents. And now they're like, they're so confused about it. what's happening to their country. Again, like, I, and I just feel like it's an overreach of power. Like, a lot of these people, they get into government jobs. And yes, I'm talking about you people that work at the, the city council and all that type Absolutely. of stuff. Get Wendy. <laughs> I, no, I do, because honestly, like, you're a public servant. You're not a government leader. You are a public servant. You are doing this job to serve the public. Yes, you should be compensated for your time, but you should be doing this job as something selfless, not because you want power, not because you want money. And like we can sit all here all day long and talk about the insider trading that's happened and all of the crazy things that we've seen. Like, and it's just, it's these people are like on this, I call them ivory towers. They're on this high pedestal, so, so high. And it's like, they forget maybe where they came from. Maybe they came from privileged lives, which is good. Good for you. I'm happy that you didn't suffer from any of the trauma that I had. But at the same time, you're representing a large, diverse group of people. Like I'm born and raised LA County. Like we, all my friends growing up from different backgrounds. Like I have a picture of my mom's house. I was 18 years old. There's people from every single walk of life that is in my mom's living room. And people are like, oh, you hang out with some, I'm like, yes. Like, why wouldn't I? They're like, well, I'm like, who cares? Like, doesn't matter. Like, that's just how I was brought up. And it's like, just crazy to see kind of what's happening. And it just makes me sad. We're going to label this podcast differently. It's going to be the truth from Wendy O. It is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I sometimes No, I do not to, apologize. We love it. Yeah. I, I did it's tell y'all I was a shock jock. Yeah. <laughs> the shock. And with that, Wendy, this has been a powerful talk. Learned so much. And Michelle, thank you always for oh, joining with us. It's great to be too. here. Thank you. Consensus oh. 2023. This is consensus awesome. Consensus 2023. I can't wait for Consensus 2024. Like, I. We could can't. do comparatively. Maybe then. I'll be in the Bahamas. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it'll be in Bermuda. Bermuda by Bermuda. then because who right? like who knows what if we're even going to be allowed to have an amazing conference like this so people can network True. like I also heard that um, some of the exchanges that used to sponsor a lot of these events a lot all the all the crypto conferences that they're kind of like we don't know if we should or not because we don't want to get hit with a well notice or anything and that's just so sad because unbelievable it's just like we want to create this place to kind of educate people like and consensus is one of my favorite events because you have people from every single industry and every single space that are just here they're excited they want to network they want to talk they want to fundraise they want to just figure out like like they want to build there's so much passion at this conference this is one of my favorite conferences but wendy let everyone know where to find you and share any projects you'd like Thank to you. yeah so i'm crypto wendy o. you can find me at cryptowindio.com. i am all about power to the people and i say power to the people it is power to every single person who wants to improve their quality of life no matter where you came from, what you look like, what your background is. If you are trying to do good in this world, I rock with you, so come rock with me. Make sure you guys to support CAMS, to support Coindesk, and to continue. Give yourself 10 minutes every day to do self-education. And remember, we're here doing this for the future of our babes. And if you don't have kids, that's fine. You don't have to. I'm sure you got some nieces or nephews or somebody. But we got to support the kids and we got to make create a really great environment to help them thrive because they do matter. They really, really do. They're going to be the ones that are going to be putting us in the nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's right about that. <laughs> it's true. And mic drop from Wendy. Thank you, Thank you so much, much, Wendy. It was a pleasure. Wow.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.